0: Do you guys ever pray? Every night before I go to bed, says Lydia. Before every test, says everybody else. Whenever that really cute boy walks by, I say, Lord, please. Or you say, you say, you say, you say. say, Ah. Does God, does God ever answer your prayers? Yes. <laughs> okay. All right, cool. What is prayer? Divine. Communicate. <laughs> Not how we pray, but what is it? Uh, because tonight's passage is going to talk a lot about prayer. And so I think we should know what it is before we talk about it, right? It's like quantum physics. I don't know what a quantum of solace is, and I, so I don't know what quantum. I don't know what quantum physics is. <clears throat> What's a quantum? See, we don't know. So, all right. So, what is prayer? We're going to say prayer is talking to God or communicating with God. Because prayer can happen in different ways, right? We can, we can sing prayers, can't we? I mean, it's not just talking all the time. We can think our prayers, we can say them, we can sing them. Um, and so we'll just say it's communicating with God with a purpose, right? We don't pray and say, Lord, I took a shower today. God's like, okay, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> very good. Uh, like, there's, there's some things that just have no purpose. Like, God, I tied my shoelaces today. Wow, great. It doesn't matter. So, so we could, prayer, prayer is not supposed to be random, all right? Prayer is, prayer is communicating to God with a purpose, all right? Communicating with a purpose. And that's what we'll say it is. I remember praying one time... Um, my power was off in my house, and so, <laughs> like, I didn't have any internet. I didn't have any TV. I didn't have. I didn't have anything. I didn't have anything to distract me. Okay, so, and it was like a whole half hour, <gasps> and so what did I do? What did I do in that time? I. I read, I read my Bible, and I prayed for like a good half hour. All right, and and it was just one of those good prayer times where I was just being really open and honest with God. And at the at the end of it, I just said, you know, Lord, whatever you have for my life, that's what I want to do, you know. And I just felt really content at the end of that prayer time. And I said, I said, Lord, you know, it'd be really cool if the power came back on. Boom! <laughs> it was. Instantaneous! I said, "What?" And I was just freaked out. Like I was, I'm in my house. I'm in my house screaming by myself. And I was, <laughs> the neighbors, <laughs> the neighbors, I don't know. But that was that was just one really cool time. I mean, and God has answered so many of my prayers before. But um, that's what we're talking about tonight: prayer and why we do it, how we do it, and. And what needs to happen for God to answer our prayers? Because sometimes we just want God to be the magic genie in the sky, right? And, and uh, you know, Lord, uh, give me this. Okay. And, Lord, get me out of this, all right? Even though we haven't talked to him in months, we m- automatically say, oh, Lord, give me this. And then when it doesn't happen, we say, well, God, where were you? What happened? Okay, so we're in James chapter 5, verse 13. We're at the end. We're going to finish the book tonight, all right? Now, what did I talk about on Sunday? All of y'all were up in the balcony. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. So we, we were talking about how in hard times, God wants us to be patient, right? In chapter 5, verse 7, he says, Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. And then he tells them things not to do, things that are not showing patience, like fighting with each other, right? Complaining against one another in verse 8 or verse 9, okay? And then in verse 12, he says, Don't swear, right? What did it, he said, don't swear by heaven or by earth. Just let your yes be yes and let your no be no. You, know, you don't have to say, I swear to God that this is what I, that, that I'm telling the truth. Okay? God says, you don't need to do that. He's um, just saying, Lord, if you get me out of this, if you uh, get them to postpone coursework being due, I will. You know, I'll go to church every day for the rest of my life. I will pray for two hours tonight if you do this for me and so we're doing this little game with God God says don't do that all right that's how you are not showing patience but in verse 13 he's going to tell them how you can be patient things you can do in the hard times that will help you be patient all right verse 13 we're gonna read up to verse 16 okay verse 13 is there anyone among you suffering then he must pray Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much all right so the first thing he says he, he's talking about the hard times that they're in they're being persecuted by these rich people okay and he tells them to be patient and don't complain against one another and don't swear to god all right don't do those things um, but then he says he says if you are suffering here's what you should do what does he tell them to do pray don't complain don't run to your friend and complain don't you know exaggerate your promises, it says, pray. What do you think he means? Why, why do you think he tells him to pray? Why should we pray when we're suffering? What do we usually do when we suffer? Ask why, Ask why. complain. Try to solve the problem ourselves, run away from God that's an exact listen guys, I was talking to a teenager this week um, and they said that they had been in so much pain and in so much suffering that they they didn't even want to talk to God anymore. They blamed God and they said, praying doesn't do anything God God allowed me to suffer this much, and so I don't. I just don't want to pray to God anymore. These are things that we do, right? We run from God. We try to fix the problem ourselves. And what God says is, He wants us to pray. God says, I want you to involve me in your suffering, to let me into your suffering. Don't shut me out don't push me away don't try to fix it yourself let me into your suffering when we pray we let God we acknowledge that we don't have it all together that we are not in control and that we we know we need him and this shows humility on our part right just the fact that we need to pray shows that we need to be humble. So when we pray, we should be humble. We don't go to God arrogantly saying, "God, you have to do this for me. God, you owe me this." That's not what he's saying. He's saying we need to be humble and we need to let God into our suffering. So we should pray when we suffer, and then he says is is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. What do we do, what do we usually do when we're cheerful? Smile. How many, how many of you actually sing praises to God when you're cheerful? Felipe, Barica. What songs do you sing? Thank you. Prince of Peace. Okay. Give thanks. Do most, I mean, do we honestly do this? Do we honestly stop and sing? I mean, if we're really happy, like, the question is, the question is, what is making you happy? All right? Here's one of the questions. What what has made you cheerful? Is it that boy that you're sitting next to? Is it that really hilarious episode of Family Guy that you just watched? All right? Typically, after watching an episode of Family Guy, you don't want to sing to God. Am I right? Lord, thank you for letting me watch the vulgarity and the blasphemy of Family Guy. Again, again, James is saying, James is saying, let God in. Let God into the cheerful times. Respond to him saying, Lord, I know it was you who allowed this, who, who gave me this cheerful time, this time of happiness. Um, just as he wants God to, to let, he wants you to let God into your suffering, he says, acknowledge God in your cheerful times. Because God wants to be there in every situation, in the good times and the bad times. You're hanging out with your friends. You know. I mean, you're hanging out at the mall. Imagine what happens if you if th- you and three of your friends just bust out in a song in the food court. Um, w- I mean, would that really happen? Yeah. It would be really funny. Really funny. That happen, it's, it's embarrassing. Uh, it I like, mean, my I, I think hold on, Trey, we're not Okay. What James is saying if you want to be patient, get God involved in everything that you're doing, in the good times and the hard times. All right, verse 14. And he says, is, "Is anyone among you sick?" Then he must. And this is one of those confusing passages in the Bible where we, where we're not 100% sure what it means, but uh, but we have a pretty good guess. All right. Um, it says, is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him. Again, what does he say? Pray. pray. All right? In bad times, pray. If you're happy, sing. You know, pray. Communicate to God with a purpose. The purpose is to praise him when things are good. If you're sick, call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord now this anointing him with oil what do you think that means all right so most right most of us think we you know you pour it on their forehead and and rub it on the all right what this what most people think this means is that it actually means it's like it's like <laughs> It's like rubbing Vicks VapoRub on them, all right? That's, that's kind of what it is. It's like it's supposed to be uh, medicinal, like it's supposed to be medicine that you're rubbing on them, okay? And so what he's saying is pray for them, but also apply medicine, okay? So so there's, there's a whole religion or a whole uh, group of people people who call themselves Christians, even though they're not. They're called Christian scientists, all right? And to them, to go to a doctor is, is wrong, okay? They believe that you just pray. All you're supposed to do is pray, and that will heal you, okay? Which really doesn't make any sense, uh, because Luke wrote two books of the Bible, right? Luke wrote Luke and Acts. And what was Luke? A doctor. Okay, so if a doctor can write the Bible, then I think, I think being a doctor is, is okay. All right? Um, and so what he's saying is you want to pray for sick people and give medicine to them. All right? He says, and the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. All right? This is a key. If he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. So what needs to happen before people can be healed? I didn't hear anything. Confess their sins pray, all right, and and we've got the anointing of the oil as well, right, the, the medicinal oil. Um, so a lot of times we pray for people, and we pray that they would get better if they're sick, right, and they've been to the doctor. Um, sometimes, and I don't want to say, I will never say that this happens all the time. This is just an example, but sometimes, People are sick because of sin in their life. I know it's happened to me. Like I, I've, had, I've, I've lost weight because I, I had sinned and I was keeping it a secret and I, I was stressed out because I was keeping it a secret and I couldn't eat and all these things and I, just, and I lost a ton of weight. And <coughs> uh-huh, I could tell you your secret. Well, that's what we're supposed to do, though. Um, if we want to be healed, and and there's a physical and a spiritual dimension to this, okay. We want to be healed physically, but we also need to be healed spiritually. And the only way we can be healed spiritually is through confession of sin. Who was the last person that you confessed any sin to? Your mom. See, but why is this a common practice for some of y'all confessing sin? Desmal, sleep in the back. You're looking straight at me. Okay. <laughs> why is confessing sin so hard? Because what? It starts the forgiveness process, right? So, that, so then, why don't people do it? Because you feel guilty, right? it's embarrassing, right? Okay? This is true. What are the benefits of confession? You feel better. Why do you feel better? Relieves the stress because when, when you're not confessing, you're holding secrets, right? and, and it's a heavy burden and and, and you can't talk to people sometimes because, man, if they knew what I did, they would hate me. And and so you just kind of break off little relationships here and there because you're, you feel guilty. And, and you'd rather break off that relationship than, than actually confront it and deal with it and confess and be forgiven. You know, that's, I guess that's one thing we're also afraid of is that we won't be forgiven. But as Christians, as people who, who have been forgiven by Jesus, that should be our pattern, right? Jesus said, if you don't forgive others, I won't forgive you. And so if someone comes to you and says, hey, I need to confess this to you. I, I need to confess, um, you know, whatever it is. I, I, I talked about you behind your back. You know, I said you looked really ugly in those jeans. <laughs> Darren, I, I said I said you wore those same dirty jeans every week to youth group. And I talked about him. And I'm sorry. <laughs> how do how do doing <sighs> So we must we must confess our sins. Who do you go to to confess? You go to, you go to God. You go to the person who you sinned against. Okay? Your best friend. Okay? Sometimes there's a spiritual leader who you need to go to to just help you work through the guilt that you might still feel. Um, because I've done this where I've, I've needed to work through some guilt of, of something I've done. And, and I'll go to, you know, my spiritual, a spiritual mentor and just help them, let them work through, let them remind me of the gospel. You know, we need to preach the gospel to ourselves all the time to remember, hey, Jesus died for this sin. He has forgiven it. And now I'm cleansed, you know. And, and like he says, the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. So this person has called the elders to him. He's confessed his sin. And he's asked them to pray for him. All right? And in these situations, it, it seems to be that they were sick directly because of their sin. And so they needed to confess and to be restored and to be healed. So sometimes if, God, if it feels like God is not answering your prayer, one of the things you need to check is, is there sin that I am constantly running to over and over again and never confessing it to God and never repenting of it? Am I, am I constantly talking about my friends behind their back? Am I constantly lusting for these girls and just ignoring God afterward? Do I never ask for forgiveness? Do I never confess and repent and try to ch- make the changes to make it stop? If you, if you are never conf- if you're just living a life of unrepentant sin, um, God's not going to answer your prayer. He has no reason to. Why should He? so you can start ignoring him again? God doesn't want you to think of him as someone who you run to when you're in trouble to get you out of jams and then you forget about him after that. That's not what God wants from you. God wants a relationship with you like James talks about in the beginning in the suffering and in the cheerful times. All right. So we, he tells us we should pray, but some of us think that praying might not do too much. When I pray, nothing really happens. This is what he says. He says, the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. All right, Not just any person who's got sin all up in their life. It takes a righteous person for prayer to be effective. That's why everyone always asks the pastor to pray for the meal or or wherever, you know. We always want to ask the pastor to pray. (sighs) But are pastors the only people who should pray? Are pastors the only people who should be spiritual? No. And this is what he tells us. He says, he uses Elijah as an example. He says, Elijah was a man, uh, moving on. On the next slide. It says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. What does that mean? <laughs> it means he was a man. He was just like me and you. He had sin, he had struggles, but he repented. You know, he, he constantly confessed sin. You know, he worked through all these things. And he was a righteous man before God. But he was just like me and you. That's what he's saying. Get this in your head. The people in the Bible are not some super-duper Christians who you can never be like all right otherwise the meetings that we have on Friday nights are a waste of time if we thought that y'all could not be righteous people we would not waste our time Melanie wouldn't be here Jen wouldn't be here Mitch and Nathan and Chris wouldn't be here we wouldn't be here if we didn't think you guys could be righteous why do we think you can be righteous because Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours we're all people But it says, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again. And the sky poured rain and the earth produced its fruit. So Elijah, being a righteous man, confessing sin, prayed to God in God's will, because this was God's will, that it would stop raining for three and a half years. And what happened? It stopped raining. How did it stop raining? Because Elijah prayed to God alright how did it stop how did it start raining again he prayed again again. right And Elijah was a righteous man but he was a man just like you and me he was not the super duper prophet who is above all of us alright so no matter how old you are you can pray and your prayer can accomplish much All right. He concludes in verses 19 and 20. My brethren, if any of you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. All right, so we've got, it seems like he's talking about this person who, who doesn't want to confess their sin, right? Because he's been talking about confession of sin and how we need to pray and all that. Um, it says, if any of you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the arrow of his way will save his soul from death. Remember what we talked about in chapter 1 where James talked about uh, lust, getting pregnant, and giving birth to what? Sin. Right, And then sin gets pregnant and, and delivers death, right? Okay. And, he's ta- and, and we said, we th- he think he's talking about physical death there. Our sin, if we leave it unchecked, can lead us to death. <clears throat> and so James is saying, if you can talk to somebody who you see is sinning unrepentantly and they don't want to confess their sin... If you can talk to them and get them to recognize their sinfulness you know and he's talking about Christians or people who claim to be Christians Benny he talks about someone who strays from the truth like they used to come out on Friday nights all the time but now they'd rather go out to you know atlantis or or uh I don't know Waterloo or cocktails and dreams or frogs or 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 uh Rush, what's the other one, Gray what, I'll <laughs> <laughs> out, out, Outback isn't bad, but the point is, the point is they find something else to do on a Friday night, you know, find something else to do on a Friday night, like like go see Twilight, uh, <laughs> um, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, People are allowed to miss one Friday night, okay? Uh. (laughs) But if you see someone who has just kind of given up on, on following God, and if you can talk to them and you can stop them from sinning, listen, it's important because why? You can save their life. You can save them from dying. Now, we think of that in theory, but I'm pretty sure almost all of you know someone who at one point claimed to be a good Christian and was kind of living the life, you know. But now they're, they're just kind of off doing their own thing and they don't really go to church anymore. And trust me, if you don't know anyone, you will. Because as soon as you graduate from high school, it's, they're done. All right? They're done. It's Waterloo. It's Cocktails and Dreams. It's wherever they can go. Well, uh, what's what's the other clubs? I don't know the clubs. Anymore. Pirates? Cub what? Fluid? Okay, see? Any, uh, trust me. Look. I've been a youth pastor long enough to know that... that a good number of you guys are going to be in those clubs. All right? If you're not there already. But let me tell you, we talk about lust giving birth to sin and sin giving birth to death. The path that, that club life leads to um, is not good. All right? but you can turn from your sin and from the error of his way, all right, from the error. And we'll cover a multitude of sins. Guys, this is this is the hope that we have. No matter how far we stray, all right, he says no matter how far we stray from the truth, we can always turn back and cover a multitude of sins. First Peter says, says that love covers over a multitude of sins. So if you turn someone back, you show that you love them. We think, oh, they're my friends and they're just doing their own thing and I don't want to get involved in their life. You're not being very loving if you just let them go on. And some people say, man, I'm too far from God. I can't come back. That's not what James says. James says they can turn back and a multitude of sins can be covered through the love that you show them. We have had a multitude of sins covered, right? By the love of Jesus. By him being willing to suffer and die for us. To go to the cross, to feel that pain. To take the penalty that we deserved. To be buried and to rise again, to come back to life. All right? All of us who believe in Jesus have experienced the multitude of sins being covered. And we get to offer that to others. All right? So think about some people who maybe need to have some sins covered, who maybe need to turn back to God, to confess some sin. Maybe you have sin that you need to confess, and you know what, guys? That's what you our, us leaders are here for. We will not judge you. We will not condemn you. We will not throw you away. All right, um, because all of us have have been forgiven of of serious sin. All right. I've had people in my office tell me the most horrible things that they have done and some of it you can't imagine and we don't throw people away because love can cover over any sin Jesus can cover over any sin alright let's pray Father we are amazed by your love Father help us to forgive help us to have the courage and the, and the belief in your word to confess our sin and to believe that you will forgive us and that we can forgive others. God, I pray tonight that each teenager would invite you into their, into their world, into their suffering, into their good times. Father, help us to respond with prayer and suffering. Help us to respond with songs. Bring songs to mind that, that can spring forth from our cheerfulness. Lord, I pray for anyone tonight who, who has that secret that they don't want to tell. Lord, I just pray that you would work in their heart, show them that they will be loved and that they will be forgiven by you and whoever they have sinned against. Lord, help us to, to love our friends, to have courage to speak to them about you and about the truth of sin and about the truth of, of your sacrifice for sin. Lord, I pray for these teenagers that they would be strong, that they would grow, that as they let you into their life and and they read your word every day, that you would just become so real to them and that they would understand uh, what it is to walk in love with you. In Jesus' name I ask, amen.